Welcome back to the 430 Movie. We got our expert programmers here to curate Fantasy Theme Week's of classic film. From 1998, film directed by Steven Soderbergh called Out of Sight. Yes! Soderbergh directs it with such a sort of confident, self-assured style. Lex Luthor in Superman. What is it about Gene Hackman that... uh... His performance, it's off the charts, but still in reality. Fiendishly gifted. 1981, Sam Raimi Opus, The Evil Dead. Oh, yes, fine choice. Sam Raimi invented entirely new ways to get shots that should not have been possible with the amount of money that he did not have. Charade. Oh, Directed by Stanley Donnan. It's a textbook screenplay. It's just effortless, and there's not a wrong note in this movie. Can't say enough great things about it. We'll be back next Friday with an all-new episode of the 430 Movie, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us now for the 430 Movie. The 430 Movie Podcast is available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of this podcast, you already know the 50-year mission is the definitive oral history of Star Trek, and Secrets of the Force will tell you everything you want to know about the history of Star Wars. But what you probably don't know is Ed Gross and I have a new book coming out this July. They shouldn't have killed this dog. The complete uncensored ass kicking oral history of John Wick, Gun Fu and the new age of action coming from St. Martin's in hardcover, digital and audio. You can order it today. If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctorman. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And today we're boldly going where we've never gone before. It may be a 40th anniversary of Con episode, but you're going to hear things you've never heard. And probably you'd be sorry you heard them by the time we're done. <laughs> we got the wonderful, wonderful, charming, delightful, effervescent, Laura Banks joining us. And for those of you who are wondering who Laura Banks is, she was famously um, publicized um, with the release of Star Trek as Khan's Pets. Khan's Pets. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And she was the navigator um, aboard the uh, Reliant, uh, one of Khan's uh, eugenically enhanced super being crew. Yes. And uh, I don't remember in Spacey, but. Well, no, it's interesting how all the ages of uh, Khan's uh, people. lessened by 30 years uh when we saw them in uh star trek 2 well maybe these are their kids yeah really no yeah, i don't the, know the offspring of the genetically yeah. engineered super beings yeah i don't buy it no <laughs> I, I i know they didn't really feel like the same people as spacey did they no 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 but that's okay but, and but in Laura's the long run great. look the kids like it so it'll be fine <laughs> so so laura has a new book out um about her experience in con and her Many really? adventures in book? Hollywood. A new book, yeah. I think she promotes her book more than I do on the show, which I thought was impossible. It, it is impossible uh, b- until I until I experienced it. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's a ton of fun. And so Laura shares stories, obviously, about the making of Star Trek IV, uh, reminisces about Ricardo, 
and and uh, oh, so I, much more, as you'll hear. Yeah, so much more. Uh, we, we'll learn a lot about uh, um, her uh, experiences with the great Bill Shatner and um, and many others in Hollywood. And uh, she she's just such a good sport. It's it's a lot of fun. This is an interesting departure from some recent episodes. So uh, come with us now as Seti Alpha uh, Five. We uh, we meet and greet uh, Laura Banks. Well, she's coming through now, Con. It's Laura Banks, <laughs> author of the, the hopefully soon to be best selling new book, Close Encounters with Captain Kirk: The Making of the Wrath of Khan. It's a wonderful memoir that Laura has written, and uh, it's on sale this month. So uh, you can uh, go uh, go find it on all the all the usual suspects, Amazon, and I imagine you know uh, the Barnes and Noble and everything else where you can order books. And you must have a website as well where people can find it. Yes, uh, complicated. LauraBanks.com. Very hard to remember. So that, now, now, now that we plug the book, let's give them a reason to buy it. Okay. Please. Uh, <laughs> well, Laura, you you yes. you know you probably all uh, remember from Rathacon, which is celebrating its 40th anniversary. I certainly remember you. I'll never forget. Of course, Eddie Egan put out those famous photos exclusively to Time Magazine, and I, I remember it. Con's pets. And it was, I know. <laughs> and although the, I, I really prefer to be called an accoutrement, which is cons <laughs> accoutrements. They couldn't yes. spell it. Um, but it was this, the first photo that any of us all, I ever saw from Con was a picture of you with Ricardo. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about how that came to be in your journey to the Bridge of the Reliant. Well, the photo session itself was just this impromptu moment where we had some spare time and the photographer said, hey, you know, Ricardo, Nancy, come over here. I want to do some quick shots. And of course we were working under the budget constraints. We all know we're there and everything kind of hurry up, hurry up uh, just in case we're needed elsewhere. And we just started posing and clicking and we were laughing and playing. And I actually, I don't know, there's a couple here you haven't seen. I, I'm going to share with you a little bit later that I don't know what to do with. I have these pictures. I don't know if they're one of a kind or what they are. Uh, so what's your question? <laughs> no, how, how did that famous photo shoot? Look, the kids have no idea. It's just another yeah. photo from uh, hundreds of photos. But for those of us who were around then yeah. in, 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 you know, late 81, when news started breaking about this movie that was coming out the following year, there it oh, is. There you are. That's one of them. Yep. There, there you go. It. Yeah. And then there, there was like, hey, that, what do I do with these? Yeah. I that's mean, the I, one that ran in, uh, in time. time. I, yeah. Yeah, that was the time. And uh, then this 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 crazy collective of oh vagabonds yeah. here. Yep, that's here right. Are. They had to they had to the cast uh, of Zoolander. Yeah, they had to stuff my top because the girl Lana Clarkson, who was supposed to get the role, had more going on up there. So <laughs> the costume and then was according. this was the one from the Paramount you know, book or the, what do you call that press kit? Yep, yeah. From the press kit the back in the day where press kit would have the press notes and then eight <laughs> by 10 transparencies, which the newspapers and magazines would use. Um, and, and if you were you know lucky to be printing enough in color and you weren't a newspaper, you would even get slides uh, <laughs> yes. back in the, the old days, the old, the, of oh. the covered wagons. Yeah. So, so, well, I mean, the whole process of how I got there, Mark, and doing this shoot for three and a half weeks was amazing. I was an out of work actress. And the, the funny thing about Close Encounters with Captain Kirk, the making of the Wrath of Khan, is that I really am and was a glorified extra. Uh, 
I was I was looking for work. It was in uh, drama log. There was an ad in the back of drama log, and it was looking for a woman at central casting, and it was me. I mean, other than my blood pressure and astrological sign, it was me. <laughs> uh, and so I called central casting. And I go, hey, you know, and they go, okay, come on. And they, they saw me and they waved me through. And then I met Nick Meyer, who spent a few minutes speaking with me. And and uh, did he talk to you about so Shakespeare well, and Dickens just to what? show you how smart he was? Oh, uh, yeah. He was <laughs> freaking out the entire time we were working together. I mean, that man was under so much pressure during the making of that film. I mean, you could always cut the attention, you know, with a knife. I think it was just the constraints of what Paramount wanted and what he wanted and getting everything done every day. And sure. so. Uh, but in that moment, he was very busy with looking at notes and he walked in and he spent some time with me. But the role of Khan's pet or accoutrement uh, <laughs> was meant for Lana Clarkson. Mm -hmm. And Lana Clarkson is the uh, woman who was murdered by Phil Spector. Yeah. yeah. So do people know that? Is that a known you fact? Know, look, I, 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 a lot of people do, but I'm sure a lot of people listening don't know. You know, obviously Lana Clarkson was doing, had done a lot of, a lot of movies, 17 a lot of B films. 17 and she B also movies. worked for Roger Corman yep. and I, William Shatner was discovered by Corman. I was discovered by Corman. Jack Nicholson, who's in my book, was discovered by Roger Corman and Lana Clarkson. And I both read for uh, Wheels of Fire, which was uh, the nice. film I was shot in the after. Philippines, right? Yeah. Shot in the Philippines. Uh, two of those over there. And, uh, We'll get to that part. And just <laughs> from there, my name's at the gate of Paramount. And that just, I mean, the whole, the whole book is from a perspective of anybody walking into this and getting this part and all these things that you would go through. Yeah. Just being just a person off the street. You know, I wasn't a celebrity and I, I, and, and, and it, it was just you pinching yourself, you know, uh, and I still am, you know, and I didn't know while I was making it that I was making it. I wasn't a Star Trek fan to know. And I didn't, they didn't announce in the ad, what the movie was because they would have gotten swamped at central casting. Yeah, so yeah. and they, you didn't know you were a eugenically uh, perfect super being when you were <laughs> cast, you know, I mean, that's a lot to well, live up five, to. Five foot 11 is, is always a helpful height to be superhuman. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, so now Lana was originally cast, like you said, in your role, but she couldn't do it. Um, what she just went home for Christmas. She just went home for Christmas to be with the family. Yeah. So actually I, Kidnapped her and, <laughs> <laughs> and kept her locked in a car trunk until no, no, it wow. my part now. Yeah. <laughs> so you 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 got you get the part, and then at that point they tell you you're doing Star Trek, and as you alluded to, you didn't really know much about Star Trek other than the fact that it was a fairly well known and a successful franchise, and think okay maybe this will turn into something. How, how I didn't did... even think about it turning into something. <laughs> I was just processing the fact that I was on Paramount Studios, that my name was on you know pieces of paper everywhere, that I was going to wardrobe. They were measuring everything but my pinky, right? You know, right. and I'm being whisked around, and now I'm on this crazy set on a planet with all this dirt and dust and fans, and underneath this giant, I call it in the book the Khan's rug people because my first outfit was like you were in a giant rug, ah. uh, heavy, and you're standing on this hill, and I. You know, no one knows what's going on. The problem of being an extra is that you don't know what's going on, Mark. Right. You have no idea. And and they don't want you to know what's going on. Uh, so I'm like, eh, am I going to be in a rug this entire time? Like, I had no idea. <laughs> and, and lots of times people go, oh, you were in Star Trek. You probably didn't see your face. And I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, you saw my face. I was Khan's pet. I mean, accoutrement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so girlfriend, lover, wife, whatever I was. We don't know. I mean, no, you know, you know we don't know. We do know, Mark. We know what I was. You know what I was? I was a navigator. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Thank you. That's right. You were the navigator. And, and he, you even had a line that got cut, didn't you? I did. Do you know what it was? No, you tell us. I mean, even if I did, I want you to say it, not me. All right. Course plot to intercept Enterprise ready, sir. See, there you go. Yes, I am partially responsible for the demise of Spock. There could be a whole spinoff based on that character at this point. They (laughs) seem to be spinning off everything else. So, um, but so, so so how long, I mean, first of all, you know, you you glossed over this, but you talked about how exciting it was to be on the Paramount lot. I mean, you would come out to Cal, come out, you came out to California to be an actress and here right. you are people don't, don't realize who haven't been in the industry of all the movie lots of all the lots in town I know. paramount has the most story it's the most the most amazing lot because you go to mgm what used to be mgm which is now sony it's been renovated so many times it doesn't have that magic you know warner brothers is pretty spectacular Fox is a shadow of itself because of okay. after the sixties, after Cleopatra and they turned into century city, but Paramount is still the lot of sunset Boulevard and the 10 commandments and everything that all this inc- incredible history. It's so five, that must five, have been amazing. Five, five Melrose. Baby. Right. I, it's basically the most unchanged of all the studios. Cause it's really? still, it still kind of looks the same from, uh, you know, all those old mission impossible episodes when they're skulking around outside the offices. Yeah. Well, what's fun, I go into my book a bit, and I do have a book coming out. I don't know if I you, you, oh, um, she, she, she knows how to do this. I'm not the only one who could promote uh, books encounters. on the show. Well, I just interviewed William Shatner on my podcast, which is part of my book. And uh, he, and he was, he was uh, you know, uh, celebrating his uh, series on. Oh, yeah, The Unexplained. Well, undiscovered. Get, undiscovered, every right. Every other thing out of his mouth was, well, Laura on The Undiscovered. Right. No but, one uh, is a better pitch master oh, than Bill. God. Bill, I mean, he can turn any interview into whatever he's promoting that week. And I would just love to have like a montage of everything he's promoted over there. Tech cards, tech war, Star Trek, you know, um, uh, the unexplored, the unexplained raw nerve. I mean, it's just like he's a machine. It's amazing. Priceline. Yeah. Priceline. Yeah. Uh, uh, And before we go any further to keep people involved and engaged in this podcast. Yes, I did go out with William Shatner. It is in the book. It's lighthearted. But it is confessional in, in nature. Yeah, no, I mean, I obviously I, we were going to get well, there, but you, you I just didn't date... to throw that out there to keep them. But I was <laughs> into no one's tuning out on you, Laura. They're riveted. The They're riveted. The story was um, in the book. I talk about my childhood, how I was fascinated by black and white movies, how I was raised on them like corn in Kansas. It's what you do is you watch movies. My mother was a fanatic. My mother was an usherette at the Paramount Theater in New York City, uh. and then. Fast forward 40 years and I'm on the Paramount lot working. I just think that's a very interesting connection. And my father um, actually knew uh, Jack, my father's father, my grandfather, uh, Stuart Banks Sr., actually worked with uh, Joe Kennedy uh, on on real estate development. And Joe Kennedy was having an affair with Gloria Swanson. Mm. And my mom and dad my father's, they got the dog. They got Gloria Swanson's dog. There I said it. So somehow my dad, they got Gloria And she was at Paramount Lot all the time. Now that was kind of a roundabout story, but in some way interesting. The dog's she... ready for its close-up. But, uh... <laughs> but really, I mean, the parallel. So I was fascinated with the idea of movie making as soon as I could like breathe. Sure. My mother 
always wanted to be an actress. She's a New York City girl, went to Erasmus High, you know, and so closest she got was was an usherette. She was unhappily kind of in this marriage in the middle of nowhere. She got moved from New York City to Kansas City. I think they moved there to get away from the relatives. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, I just grew up thinking I had to get back to New York. I had to become an actress. And then uh, I just went for it. Yeah. And and you and you came out here and here you are in in uh, you know doing Star Trek. How long were you shooting? Because of course, famously, there was all the stuff on the Enterprise, and they redressed the Enterprise for the Reliant. How, right. Yeah. How how long were you shooting that? Do you remember? Just a day, Mark. Yeah. No I'm kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'll say a month, but it was three and a half weeks. Okay. Which is almost a third of the making of the film. I mean, sure. that's a long time, you know. And I, I I had a stunt double who came in at the end and died for me. Thank you very much. And and uh, the really the place you're going to see me in the film, of course, is in that fight sequence. You right. know. Uh, and the, the, the interesting things where, you know, I'm sure you've heard this in your other podcast, but how, when they know they're yelling fire and you're supposed to be getting hit, you know, Nick is like, lane to the right, you know, lane to the left, you know, and for a while there, we didn't know where we were looking and there, and we were supposed to be looking at the, uh, at, at Kirk and the enterprise. And I guess we were all looking everywhere and Nick yells, cut. He goes, okay, this isn't working. You're all looking in different places. And then (laughs) took him like what felt like a while to figure out to put a, masking tape up on a pole mm-hmm. and they went okay that's the enterprise <laughs> so we were all looking then at the right place and continued to sway to the right and left when instructed but i was frightened i mean i was a new girl i didn't i'd never worked in a film before they they, they got lots of kicks out of scaring me <laughs> with sparks and fire extinguishers and right. make i got sprayed down with fire repellent and they handed me a fire extinguisher when it was on fire and i had to run around and fires out and i was like i'm not signed up for this but i I literally was like this is what they do in hollywood i mean i I didn't know fast forward wheels of fire where i almost died making that movie but yeah so i was involved when you first see me on the planet of course as khan's crew there and then in the big fight sequence and worked a lot with khan right next to khan what what a lot of people don't realize is that the the schedule uh you know three and a half weeks is not a long time to shoot all those uh scenes on the reliant certainly right um but they had to conform to the restrictions that ricardo montalban had uh for going back to work on fantasy island you know because yes. this was a, yes. a top 10 abc show that uh, right. they needed him on and uh, right. it was very lucky that they were able to meet that window of his availability um he so, was just unhappy that he wasn't able to work with the crew of the enterprise and shatner and i'm all. sure i'm sure yeah. that's that's one of those famous things that uh, you know for all the back and forth banter between khan and uh, and kirk they never meet and they they never work together on set right yeah yeah and and uh yet i will tell you it was dull Really, I thought it was going to be more interesting making filmmaking, but really, you get tired really fast because you get there, the sun's coming up, and you're just sitting around. Yeah. And you know, I'm still just a babe, and I'm and I'm blown away for the most part. But it's a mix of just this is so exciting to this is so boring. Right. Uh, and then, but the minute I got working around Monoban, the energy of this man, the magnetism, the focus, the the power, it was like I was filming this and watching a movie at the same like at the same time and you know I'd done my acting classes and learned what I'd learned at that point but he had this focus and Nicholas he was a very intuitive director he didn't over direct 
you know, he would really be listening. And like the day, one day where, you know, Ricardo just put, you know, I saw him do it. He was sitting there, we were waiting and he's looking at his gloves and he, he just puts one on and he's like, oh, and yeah. then we're ready to work again. And Nick walks over and he goes, you got one glove on. And, and Ricardo's like, yeah, I do. And there was like, no words, just these looks. And, way and before Nick, Michael Jackson did it. Yes, <laughs> way before. Well, it, and it, it's very good. And then he turns around and they film it. It's so funny because, you know, they say about movie stars, they have it. You know, it's really hard to, to describe what it is. But Ricardo had it. I mean, the oh charisma, you know, he just radiated it. I talk a lot about that it factor in Close Encounters with Captain Kirk oh, and making God. it on and the rest of it. Now I know how I sound. Okay. <laughs> okay. She, she does it um, better than you, Mark. And, 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 uh, thank you. And uh, Mark, you don't know yet, but you're going to write the screenplay and produce the movie. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I even going to say? I we were talking about know. Ricardo, the magical Ricardo Montalban. And of course, you know, one thing we didn't talk about, he was acting in incredible pain at the time because he suffered he, from he terrible back. In pain. He fell off a horse in a movie in the 50s and uh, he never recovered. And the mo the work ethic, they'd say action. And he's like this, like hanging on. And then action, he was up yeah. and he was working and they yell cut and he would just take, you know, be back down again. And then the sequence where he's got the burn, you know, with a special gel makeup that was one of a kind that, that they invented for the film. Uh, they padded the back of the bridge, right? So he could lean against it and he's going back and he's holding onto that. And there, and he is like holding on for life to get through the shot. You can just tell yeah. and not complaining. So generous and such a gentleman. He, I would, I didn't know better. I, I saw a chair. I sat in it and I looked in the back of it and said, Ricardo Montalban. I'm like, Oh, and, and he never once said, Hey, what are you doing on my chair? You know, this guy's in pain. He never um, in any way made me feel unimportant. Uh, now, of course, he's Mexican, right? And I am a quarter Spanish, so I'm uh, a Castilian Spanish, which right. is the fair-skinned, dark-eyed Spanish. And I've always wondered, mm, maybe they didn't know that. Maybe Nick didn't know that, but uh, it was an interesting parallel there. And Nick Meyer had to pay a fine to keep me. Why so, uh, yeah, I was not a member of any of the unions, and uh, there was another woman who was a member of the unions whose mother was a writer for the Hollywood Reporter. Mm. And uh, at that point where they were eliminating everybody but me and Nancy for the females, this one girl who was in the movie got wind of it and told her mother and contacted all the unions and Nick and Paramount and said, they're keeping a girl who's non-union, my daughter's union, she's in Screen Extras Guild right before it became Screen Actors Guild. Right. And 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 they went to Nick and they said, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta hire, you gotta be with, you gotta be Pam Bennett, you gotta go with Pam Bennett. Nick said, I will pay a fine. I want Laura Banks in that chair. And I, and we they yelled cut once and, and I was sitting there for a while and Nick came over and I was always nervous around Nick. I'm pretty good with celebrities. I mean, my book is filled with all the celebrities I've oh, met. Oh yeah, we'll get to that too. Jack Nicholson, <laughs> Warren Beatty. I mean, crazy stories of, of people I've met and, and even Bill and I being together. But I was nervous around Nick Nick Meyer right. quite a bit. But at one point I worked up the courage to say it. I said, hey, thank you. I, I, I had the look, you know, that was right for this film. He said, no, he goes, it's your acting. He goes, it was you were in your, you know, it's your acting. And and the mistake extras make, I do believe sometimes, is that they don't know that camera's on them and you never know. Right. So I would notice when we'd yell action, when the action thing happened, I'd look around and these other actors were like, you know, yeah. taking a nap. And I'm like, oh, I'm in it. I'm like working it as best I can. And I'm in the moment, you know, and, and 
you know, note to all who are out there. If, you, if you're ever in a major motion picture and you're an extra, just keep it going. Yeah, keep, it's keep, all about being in it and listening and, and uh, mm -hmm. responding naturally and, and keeping your character. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how yeah. I have a question about uh, your mom yeah. being such a uh, an aficionado of uh, movies. How did yeah. she react when you told her that you were uh, alongside uh, Ricardo Montalban, probably one of the greatest uh, uh, Latin uh, uh, actors in Hollywood? Well, I'd like to tell you that there was an exuberant uh, response, but uh, my mom, uh, she was kind of depressed and... Uh, had I came from a dysfunctional family, really. Sure. And so I don't have her any memory of her, you know, being excited for me, except I know she was. And then to go on and star in three more movies and have a series, everything I've done, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm sure she lived through me the many years I would call up and share with her all the things I'd done from being the voice of the NBA to doing an industrial for President Clinton, right. uh, Sumner Redstone. I mean, I, hey, mom, I'm Maxine Hedrum. You know, it's just like it kind of, I always got, strange wonderful things kept happening around my career enough and uh wasn't ever quite enough for dad but my mom i she was she was just she was just this uh, fragile thing you know she was this she was a poet she was an artist and she was just very sad yeah. so i i can't tell you that there was any great response there but she gave me my love of art she was an artist she was an, an, an artist and i have my degree in drawing and painting and acting and and so I yeah, that's mom. I understand. And she went to Erasmus High, like I said, which is the big famous school where, you know, um, actually Alexander Hamilton built Erasmus High, was part of the funding of Erasmus High. And um, Mae West, who's in my book, I didn't meet Mae, but I'm quoting her, you know, <laughs> I, used, I, I, I used to be Snow White, but I drifted, you know, so I just love it. Did you, um, you, you, you mentioned Maxine Headroom, I, which, yes, you, what in the world was that? That was me. I was Maxine Hedrum. I thought I had a picture here, Paul, somewhere. I, they were looking. I tested a lot of girls were up for me, up for the part, and I got it. And they built me a, a refractor. I had the refractory lenses, and they did my teeth, and and I had a, he, a head thing, and it, I was I had to build it and build it and build it, and I created the character without any of the technical work they would put in later. Right. And I came in just. Because I'm a mimic, I used to do a lot of comedy with uh, Dick Clark's United Stations Radio Networks for like ten years, where I did voices and stuff. And so I came in and went, "All right, this is our Maxine." And so we launched, we filmed, and then there was some sort of sibling rivalry between Showtime and Cinemax. So what? I, again, my what second fifteen minutes of fame? I'm up to about an hour by now. <laughs> uh, um, came and went, unfortunately. Right. But uh, I, I will have I do have pictures of Maxine in my book. Close encounters with Kathy Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Now, you know, when you were on uh the set, um, obviously you're working closely with Nick. Um, the 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 reliance stuff, as we talked about, was separated, bifurcated from all that stuff. But did you deal with like Hart Bennett or Bob Salen? Um, you know, uh, Doug Wise, they the first AD, obviously, you knew. So um what were do you have any recollections of some of the people from that? It's a long time ago, I know. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> no, 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 it was before you wrote your book, which is out okay, now. Close Encounters with Captain Kirk to make you wrap the con. Yes. Well, um, you know, I met Bill and I met Merritt Buttrick, uh, and uh, I met Harv, 
in Houston at the Con of Rats. Ah, yes. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Now we'll get into this juicy story. The Ultimate Fantasy Convention. The, 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 which we, we've talked about in the past on the on the podcast, but this was the idea of bringing the entire Star Trek cast out to Houston for the most, the greatest Star Trek convention of all time, and it turned out to be a disaster on par with Ishtar and Heaven's Fire Gate. Festival. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fire Festival. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, tell oh us a little bit about God. that. But this is when you had your first close encounter with Captain Kirk, wasn't it? Yes, and Harv... Bennett introduced me to Bell. So um, I am told I am to go to this convention. And I hadn't done the convention scene yet. And subsequently, I've done the cruises and some of the conventions. But I dropped out of doing the conventions. Uh, but at that point, it was new. And I flew it there. And I didn't know what I was in for. And, you know, we get to the Compact Center, which is what it was called then. Now it's, of course, where Joel Austin does his religious program. Yeah. And uh, it's just this, I'm, I'm a wreck, you know, I'm, I'm like imposter syndrome, you know, someone's going to find me out, you know. Uh, <laughs> and meanwhile, no one finds me out because everybody's like, where's the money? Where's the people? What's going on? Yeah, right. I'm the least of their problems. And so, you know, uh, uh, Larry Nemchik did a movie on it, he's, right? He's so there's doing a, film a documentary that's still about it now. Yep. I'm in that. So, but basically, as he tells a story, as I quote him in my book, Oh, wait, you have to buy the book. Oh, no. OK, I'll tell you. So while there was a smell of thievery in the air, as I say in my book, uh, it turns out there weren't any major thieves. Uh, what happened was that the uh, ticket sales were uh, cut off to the public because of a competitor in Houston who didn't want them to buy the tickets. And the only people that got really screwed were the uh, the trekkers who had the hotel rooms that paid double. Right. But meanwhile, I go on stage and it's I don't know how many seats. I know playing to a crowd of three or four people. (laughs) Right. I mean, hello, 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 welcome. So I come up on stage. Merritt gives me a rose, and there's someone interviewing me. Do you know? I don't know who was doing the interviewing, but there was somebody up there. I'm so Carrie O'Quinn, the publisher of Starlog. Carrie O'Quinn mm-hmm. interviewed me in Starlog. In fact, this is the beauty oh, yes. and the beauty in the business. You didn't want to call beauty. your book that beauty. That's in the a business. cute name, <laughs> but it doesn't have. No, Captain it doesn't have the ring of close encounters with Captain Kirk. The making yeah. of Magic Con. And of course, I was femme fatale, uh, Trex sexy fifty. You know what's terrifying? Who wrote that article? I don't know. Here. Laura, oh, there you're interviewed in that. Look at that. How about that? Yeah. In, Who's in, the uh, editor on that? Can you that read was that? a guy named Bill George, but I can't read who wrote that article, that interview with you. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, Anna Kaplan. Oh, Anna, of course. Yeah, Anna Kaplan. Uh, so I make my appearance. I'm wearing this crazy hot pink polyester outfit. I just my skin tight, and my hair is like bubble headed bleach blonde, just crazy hair, eighties hair. <laughs> And I come off stage and Harv takes my arm. Well, anyway, I don't know what, you know, to share beyond that, except I can't take it down a hallway and there's a little green room. room. And, oh, no, it was like a closet. And I, and I, uh, <laughs> it wasn't a closet, but it was really small and nothing in there but William Shatner. Hey. And the door opens and I go in and the door closes and it was like a meat going to a lion, basically. <laughs> a well, close you, encounter. You, you were already so... Nervous about this whole 
event and like you said imposter syndrome and they have all the stars there and the things a disaster and everything else and then all of a sudden you're introduced for the first time because had you met bill on set or was this the first time that you no, no. no. so you never met him and then never <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know he was very uh understanding about your uh, uh you know i mean obviously he'd been through stuff like this a million times and uh you know uh and he got paid so he didn't care so <laughs> you know uh what uh you know so I, I imagine he he kind of was you know very understanding and and, and took you uh you know hopefully helped you abate your nervousness well just extremely personable very funny and instant connection it's like we'd known each other it was i'm a bit of a journalist. So I've written four books, now five with Breaking the Rules 2. My second book sold a quarter of a million copies. It was up for movie deals at William Morris. Bragging. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, I have this thing that annoys Paul because all this, I ask questions. I like, when I was with Jack Nicholson, I was I was waitressing the lipstick lesbian bar in Hollywood called Rage. And at midnight, they let in Warren Beatty and Jack yeah. Nicholson. And Jack hits on me and has decided I'm, I'm the it girl for the night. Of course, I'm the only heterosexual in the room. I mean, you know, anyway, so I, I just wanted to ask him all these questions. What's it like when he came to Hollywood? Why did you? And same thing with Bill. I'm like, I'm alone with this actor. I've been studying acting since high school. I was in all the star star in all the high school plays and what have you. And I'm sure I was in pure, you know, interview mode. Yeah. And, and that does come, come on me when I get nervous. I, I start asking really Stupid questions, which Paul will actually <laughs> to as well. But you know. it's very um, funny in the book because you talk about how Bill ultimately would come over to your apartment and you lived in this little apartment. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's really funny, you know, and people forget how char- not only how charming he is, but how funny he is. You know, oh, obviously funny. that is something we knew when we made Free Enterprise, but he can just, you know, be riotous, you know. Um, oh. Absolutely. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not my comedic roots as a stand up and mm-hmm. a, an improv player with Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi's in my book, too. I had an improv trip with Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, I mean, you're six okay. degrees of Star Trek. You never watched it, but like you have all these connections. I mean, it was Whoopi and there was Bill and, you know, yeah. obviously doing Khan and all this other stuff. So, I mean, right, and- so back to that night. So anyway, so now it's like we're in this little closet. And it's like, well, you know, I'm going to go to my hotel, you know, yeah. Now, um, wait, wait, Bill sounds like Jerry Seinfeld all of a sudden. Darren, if you will, please. Well, no, Jerry Seinfeld's more up here. <laughs> it's why easy to fall into lying? Jerry when you're doing Bill because of the... Why is, it, why is it when you're lying in the sun that just your nose burns? Is your nose that much closer to the sun? No. no, no why it's is Lord, Khan too. coming after oh. us? I don't know why Khan is coming after us. It's It's weird. <laughs> No, no, I uh, Pollock, Kevin Pollock's my favorite uh, uh, Shatner imitation. So I'm like, oh, this guy wants to give me a ride in his limo back to the hotel. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm an adventurer. I talk about being an adventurous in my er, in my book. I, I, I take on wild things. I believe people should. I believe you need to go for your dreams. I don't think it's a problem if women are adventurous in life, in dating, in the bedroom. I, you know, Absolutely. if men can have fun that way, women can too. The human you know, adventure is just beginning. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> so I get in his limo. I mean, like, I figure I know the guy. He's not going to, like, kill me. It's like I can just look him up at Screen Actors Guild. You know, I, you know, he's like his face is his calling card. So uh, and then he's like, well, this is my sweet number. You know, I'm like, well, OK, uh, I'm going to go to my room for a while. And, and so I went to my room and I took hours <laughs> getting yeah. ready. I just 
Hours I just could seem like days. Yeah. I just yeah. melted. I left him waiting like forever. Like, and I couldn't decide whether I should go or not. Like, mm, oh my right. God, you know, geez. And so, and I smoked a little pot. And so I was like, not only that, but I was like, I couldn't figure out where my stuff was. And then finally my phone rings and he's like, Laura, you know, Bill, we're going. So is everything okay? <laughs> so have you ever had a woman on the show sharing about having gone out with William Shatner, Mark, or am I just the first? Well, not with Bill, but we've had other people. Uh, oh. we, 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 some people that the charm didn't work on as much, but, uh, you know, we, 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 we tend to avoid those people. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did you, did you didn't have Angie Dickinson on your show. Anyways. No, no, not, not yet. <laughs> when we do, uh, you know, a p- police woman podcast, that'll be, we'll have her on. Yeah. Rest-a- so anyway, I finally get up there and I knock on the double door suite, the penthouse, and he pulls me in there and, I, and I'm, and it becomes just this crazy hands and arms and lips and things flying around. And, and, and it's definitely, you know, he didn't feel 26 years older than me there, uh, but he was, and, but he was, you know, he's in good shape. He, you know, he's funny and fun and sexy and he's a movie star. And I'm not going to say no to that. I mean, I've said yes to worse. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we'll get to your Nicholson story, which was the opposite where, you know, you, the charm didn't work on, on you, which That's is a right. great story, but we'll, 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 let's finish with Bill before we right. get to Jack. Well, so we're in the entryway of this presidential suite, which, which takes up the entire floor of the hotel. And, you know, there's a fruit basket and like why i remember that but there's like bananas in a fruit basket and to this day when i see fruit baskets anyway see the convention uh, so, wasn't the convention wasn't a total waste i don't know and so you know, we went to the next room and and we were ravenous and then the sun came up and it really was he was kirk he was kirk he was the character and my question has been you know where does the character stop and the guy start and well if he, he was the character we would have cut away from all that and just shown him putting his boots on but um <laughs> Anyway. And so I thought, well, that was fun. And I did the walk of shame back to my place. Oh, and I, no, there's no, no shame. shame. There's, there's no, no shame. shame. Well, that's the point of my book. There is no shame. You know, I've even, I, you know, I pose nude in a magazine and I, and I quote Halle Berry and Adriana Grande, who says, you know, look, I'd be naked all the time if they let me, you know, it's like men are bare chested and taking pictures. Why, you know, what's the problem if women are, it's like that or something. Anyway. So uh, I just, did a, the walk of shame was a joke because what I was probably kind of shameful. Anyway, I got back to my room and I'm like, oh my God, what just happened? And who saw me? And I'm from Kansas and this is wrong. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and, and I thought, well, that's that. Well, you know, he called, he called, he called like the next day and he goes, when are you getting back to LA? And because I was going to Kansas seeing my family. And then that we, we saw each other for about f- four months and I actually was the one that broke it off. And there was a lot of, uh, warmth and friendship and uh i don't know if you can go so far as to say it was a relationship because there's a good chance he was in a relationship with a few other women at the time but uh i don't like to think those things because uh to me it was a one of the most amazing experiences but to his credit you know all these years he he did your podcast he was happy to hear from you you know he he, yes. he he didn't object to you writing this book. You know, it's like, well, that is that remains to be seen. <laughs> that remains to be seen. I, you know but I am very it, positive about him. And I do say are, hey, there are, are haters out there and you can find stuff in this book. They hate about him. And, you know, was it consensual? Well, I mean, uh, you know, he was a lot older. He was in a position of power. You could easily say, you know, he took a little advantage. But again, the spin I have on my life is I'm in charge. I made the choices. Things happened. 
And, and certainly I don't believe Bill did anything inappropriate that I didn't absolutely have a fantastic time doing and any other woman in my position wouldn't have done. Sure. So, absolutely. you know, I don't know if CBS is going to love the take his take on him, but they don't. I, I don't I don't think they care. Honestly, Look, it's, Bill, it's, Bill it's is fine. Bill. He, he he's a unique and unique and very special individual. And who at 91? I, I still believe he's like, you know. In his fifties, I mean, it's insane. It's crazy. I know. And the interview we did uh, uh, regarding the undiscovered on my uh, Your Hidden Power podcast was an amazing interview. We talked about mysticism, and and I asked him about if he thought there were aliens out there or ETs, I guess you're supposed to call them. And and I I said, what what would you say if you thought someone was listening? And he said, give me a sign. You know, give me a sign. Uh, but mo- more importantly, he was really, you know, intelligent with sharing uh, various philosophers and 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 uh, authors that were involved in Stonehenge. And, you know, yeah. I'm, you've had Bill on your show, and you know, but uh, just a very uh, uh, engaging, amazing conversation. He really is interested in life after death. He's interested in all that. He's and, totally and with- interested in so many things. That's the yeah. thing. Amazing. He's so genuinely interested a lot of people talk but they don't listen and to bill's credit he listened and he just is voracious in terms of gobbling he's voracious when it comes to everything but he's voracious when it comes to sucking in knowledge you know he just loves to know about everything and it's it's wild any of us who spent you know real time with him and got to know the guy behind the icon know what an extraordinary man he is and it's so great that you had this you know positive experience in contrary. you and then, should know what a coup it was for you to have had him on he doesn't podcast. like to do podcasts because i i've heard him say uh i don't i don't do podcasts <laughs> i know when he said yes i was blown away that's amazing yeah so that's you know, a, that's a good but one. another fun story in the book was one night i went to his house and in, in the valley <laughs> this is and, a great uh, story <laughs> the Dobermans? Yeah, I sorry, I don't want to step on it. Go ahead. This and is... um well, we were laying out in the back by his pool and this beautifully manicured lawn and the, so it was coming dark and we're lying down, we're looking up, and I think we were smoking pot. And uh we both see a shooting star. I'm like, oh my god, I'm with Captain Kirk. I just saw a shooting star. And we're laughing and 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 then I asked him if he ever wanted to go to outer space. <laughs> Do you believe that? Do you believe yeah, that? I so, asked him that. It's incredible. Isn't it incredible that not only did you ask him that, you know, yes, but then he, he did, did go, go to space. space. Yeah. And so uh, I don't even think we made love that night. We were just hanging and laughing and sharing. And, you know, I, I was excited to be at his house and all that, yada, yada, yada. So I'm like, okay, bye, Bill. And um, I go to leave and my car's on the other side of the gate. Okay. This is a big one. And I'm walking up and there's these two big, Dobermans that are just sort of right there and they are now pacing me as I'm trying to get to the bottom of the hill and it's one of those ghostbuster moments where I'm like and if I go a little faster I'm gonna and so we're both sort of we're all like and I get to the gate and I go and I get out oh man and the next day I talked to Bill I said your dogs just about ate me leaving your house and he's like oh my god that's so funny because I, I remember, you know, on all the TV shows and stuff, you would see him, you know, when they do, oh, well, we're, we're, you know, Barbara Walters, we're with Bill Shatner at home, you know, with and his Dobermans and everything. So one time when I was over at the office, he had the Dobermans at the office. And I love dogs, 
but I'm not a fan of the big scary dogs that, you know, yeah. looks like the Nazis would have. And, <laughs> um, you know, in this case, it was like also like there's that scene in Moonraker where Corinne Clary gets killed by the, 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 the Dobermans. So they're coming around and like Bill's like, you like dogs, right? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's like they're coming over and it's terrifying. They're like the yeah. omen dogs. And 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 but they were yeah, so sweet. But, but you know, if he dog- snapped his fingers. It's horses. It's it's yeah. everything. It's it's the force of energy. He is the 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 power. His presence. The the constant work. He never stops. You know. And he shared that. And I did a thirty five minute interview with this guy. Wow. We all need that. We all need to just not stop. You just keep going. Yeah. You, you don't. That's how you don't die. You know. He kept saying, "It's the next chapter of your life. Just keep living the next chapter." Yeah. And here was someone that you know. There's a lot of retirees down here in Florida, and a lot of them are pretty much dead from the neck up. You know, pickleball is like it you know and in my book i do share that after i went through a lot of financial problems and things that i ended up playing a little too much water volleyball (laughs) uh, and came out of that coma uh but uh bill really does show all of us captain kirk as a character and as a person and the, the energy that anyone can take on in life and in their character and personality and that curiosity and that insatiable appetite to know and to to share and to connect to boldly go and uh, so when Star Trek Two comes out, I mean, you didn't really think, well, you know, I, I'm basically an extra this is going to do much for me. But you ended up getting a Roger Corman movie off of Star Trek Two because of all the publicity, yeah. too. And and yes. you went to the Philippines. Twice. Oh, geez. So what was that like? Uh, awful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I almost died. I was a, I was a crash test dummy you know i did not sign up to be a stunt woman and i was and uh they sprayed me down with fire repellent and threw me in front of exploding cars and i jumped out of armored personnel carriers and at one point um the little army decided to shoot off all their guns and they had live ammunition and they were shooting up in air and the little general had told his little army that day hey shoot off your guns because we need new ammunition and it was in a rock quarry and the director was a half mile away behind a rock you know and um they yell cut and and they're all like, da, 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 and I did not leave my hotel room at the Inter Manila Internet Hotel for three days. I mean, I know what shell shock is. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I uh, I don't know how many people can say this, but uh, I was sucked into the ground uh, by a pack of albino dwarves, Mark. So. <laughs> I don't. I don't think anyone can say that other than you. Thanks so much. Beware the dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> that... Roger Corman did discover. I talk a lot about Roger in the book because he discovered Francis Ford Coppola and Corman and Nicholson and myself. Gave Ron and Howard his first big break. I mean, no. and the list I'm just in a goes movie on. Coming James out Cameron. With Ron Howard. Hmm? Oh, you're. I say James Cameron got his first big gig working. You know, on on you know his his films. It's remarkable. I mean, Cameron was just. It was film school, which wasn't film school. Right. And I talk about in the book with all these breaks and there's a couple places in the Internet that where they go, Laura Banks had a shot and then what? Right. And uh, I talk about in my book what it really takes. And it often takes a, a couple of things. First of all, you know, it, well, the main thing is if you're stunning and amazingly talented, like a Shania Twain or or uh, uh, Million Dollar Baby, that actress. is just, yeah, Sure. Um, come on. It's Million Dollar Baby. Tell me, maybe. Come on. Karate Kid uh, 3, uh, Hillary Swank. There you Hillary go. Hillary Swank. There you go. Came from poverty, worked your way up. Most Here's what happens. You either have to be stunningly gorgeous and amazingly talented and brilliant like that, which I'm not. Uh, you have to sleep with somebody. You have to know who to sleep with. I didn't know who to sleep with in Hollywood, so I really didn't sleep with anybody. Because well, clearly, okay. because you know what? You, you have that great story um, 
which you talk about people that Corman gave a break to Roger, uh, Jack Nicholson got his start working with Roger, obviously writing and then later acting. And um, the Nicholson story is wild. And I wonder if you want to uh, maybe share a little bit and then it's, it's, it, it, you go into a lot of detail in the book. So obviously pick up the book and read close encounters with Captain Kirk and Jack Nicholson, but, uh, right. <laughs> but and tell us a little, you told you, you, you were, you were a waitress at, uh, at rage and, um, and, and, uh, Warren Beatty <laughs> comes in with Jack Nicholson, uh, uh, um, one night and Nicholson just can't get enough of you. Right. That's exactly what happened. So Rage was uh, a cool nightclub uh, in West Hollywood and it had been taken over by lipstick lesbians. Now, if you don't know what lipstick lesbian is, these are very beautiful lesbians. These are not, you know, your tougher masculine looking. These are just your Hollywood beautiful lesbians. And the clones was the name of the company that produced this event. And the premise was find a woman that looks like you and and have her be your date for the night. So hundreds of these magnificent doppelganger lesbos come walking in and I'm serving them cocktails and I'm not sure I'm straight anymore. I, it was just <laughs> incredible. Uh, the beauty of these gals. And uh, of course I've always known I'm, I'll be more honest than that. I'm probably head of a flexible. I, I find the whole female thing pretty interesting. Uh, Drew Barrymore, who's a distant relative of mine, she's come out and said she's pure bi, but I can't say that. But anyway, so there I was. And uh, at midnight, they let in uh, Jose Ibar, the hairdresser, Jack Nicholson and Warren Beatty. And I'm blown away. You know, like I walk right over to Warren Beatty and I say, OK, I'm yours. Where do we go? We go. Let's go. You know, I'm ready. I mean, like I was in love. I've been in love with him since Splendor in the Grass. He's the six four and just Warren everything. Beatty in his heyday in the, in oh the you know, Post heaven can wait, uh, you know, post. And I walked right over to him and I'm looking up at him and it was like I wasn't there. It was like when I met Ben Affleck uh, backstage at the GQ Awards. He was so rude to me. And then he was rude to Julia Roberts right after me. And I felt better. But Warren was the same way. It's like, I'm an A-lister. You're a waitress. You don't even exist. Well, and he didn't have to work at it. You made it too easy for him. He didn't get to go with well, new pussycat, you know. Hey, thanks, Mark. Anyway, sorry. So I, if we had a time machine, maybe we could go just back. Call me easy. I won't take that sitting <laughs> no. down. Anyway. <laughs> That's not what I said. So I went back to my uh, cocktail waitressing, I know. And Jack has posted himself right next to me like the entire night. And every time I come over, he's got this little quibble of some kind. He says something to me. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're Jack Nicholson. And I go back to work. And then I get off work at 2 a.m. And I go around to my little Dodge Colt. I had this little car. And that's the car that Shatner was in with me. And we'd tool around West L.A. And people would freak out when cars would pull up next to us and stuff. And uh, so uh, I go around the corner and there's Jack leaning against a wall with sunglasses on at two in the morning. And I'm like, only Jack Nixon. So I rolled out my window and I'm like, hi. And he gets in and, you know, <clears throat> a regular theme of what I'm sharing here uh, uh, today or tonight on your show, Mark, is that we did, we did smoke a little pot again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a pothead. Just, anyway, so uh, we're talking and I'm back like I was with Bill, uh, but this was after Bill or before Bill, Mark, help me out with my life. This was, know. this would have been, I after think this Bill. was before. No, because if you were waitressing at Rage, wasn't that before you did Star Trek 2 or was it after? I don't know. And I don't care. Okay. Anyway, so we're talking, <laughs> we're talking. I am like, why did you come to Hollywood? Because I just came here to look at people. I never thought I'd be one. And what's your biggest challenge as an actor? And he goes, well, uh, actors that don't work up to my level. I can't. They can't keep, you know. And there's more in my book, Close Encounters, that you have to buy to read. But anyway, so. Warren Beatty comes over. He's knocking on the glass. He's like, what are you doing out here? We got friends inside. We got a lot of women. We got champagne. And 
Jack's like, oh, we're entertaining this lovely our hostess for the evening. I'm entertaining the hostess. <laughs> so he goes back in. And Jack and I start going again. And now we were like talking and there's this energy. And there's Jack Nicholson and his energy. Movie stars, their energy, it goes around the block. Yeah. There's something literally kinetically magnified. You can feel it in my car and then probably go all the way over to the other side of town. And so I'm just like riding this wave of like this awareness that I'm talking to Jack and all those teeth and the tan and all that. And then and and more time goes by and Warren knocks on the glass again. He goes, now we really got to go. It's time to go. So Jack likes, what's your number? So I get my number. And I'm like, right. He gets in the car with Warren and I get in my little car. And now they're following me in the little black Mercedes. And uh and we get to a red light and like they're doing this kind of thing, like, you know, and then they roll down the window and like, you know, hey, you want to come home with Jack Nicholson and Warren Beatty and have a three way. <laughs> oh, now like, Warren's interested. Yeah, now, now exactly. Now Warren's interested because <laughs> he didn't get a who knows he didn't score or, oh, you know, whatever. I was I was certainly pretty enough back then for Warren to be interested. And uh, I had a big decision to make right there on the corner of Wilshire Boulevard, Mark, and that red light. And I went three, two, one. No. And I just kept driving. I I got scared because we were at that Mulholland bad boy boulevard, they call it drive. There should be a bad girl boulevard. Is really, <laughs> I think there should be a female Captain Kirk and there needs to be a bad boy boulevard. But isn't people, it a better story to say that you didn't go home with them? You know, it's like I didn't. Yeah, it's a better story. I just want to know who says what the, no to Warren Beatty. I just want to know what the conversation is after you left. I I wanted to I wanted to know. Jack turns to Warren and says, "Warren, you ruined my outlook. <laughs> I don't understand. Well, so next, you always do that." <laughs> the next day at work, I did get a call, and they said, "Lars, Jack on two. I'm like, "What?" So, Hi, Jack. Let's have lunch. That's only what I said. I was so nervous. And he goes, <clears throat> well, um, can can I say can you I say, say whatever you want? Yes, you whatever can say that word. He says, well, um, I'm into fucking, not eating, and I'm and I'm like, I'm I'm a kind of a comic, and I, don't, I got well, I'm into eating, not fucking, so I gotta go. So I hung up. <laughs> this went on for days. Uh, it's Jack again. Listen, you're into eating, and I'm into fucking. Maybe we can grab a bite first. And, <laughs> literally oh my he gosh. kept calling and by then i told my mother i'd met jack and then she said you can't go out with him because he uh he was hanging out with uh manson and and he wasn't but my mother scared me off with the biker films and who he looked like to her right. and so i didn't go out with jack but i kept his number so fast forward um well so i'm, I'm into fucking not eating turned out to be a line from terms of endearment yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah, he yeah. stole the line from terms of endearment which really really <laughs> oh by the gosh. way and so this, this dates it it's post con because terms of endearment Thank was you. yeah okay 83 yeah. those of you at home who are keeping track of the chronology here thank you so much mark for that and that's why you're in your life and my life as long as i've known you you've always been good at that yeah, yeah. anyway all, all, so, all 40 minutes i know we're gonna go we're gonna, we're gonna be fast friends so anyway so uh fucking not eating then i said no and then and then and then uh uh Fast forward, and it's terms of endearment. It's a line from that, and then and so I call him one night, like months later. I just call him out of the blue. I'm I moved around a lot. I've been a bit of a vagabond, big gypsy. Like whatever's exciting, I'll go do it and find it and create it and make it happen. And <clears throat> stand up comedy, and you know Andy Kaufman and Robin Williams. Doing a lot of my book is about my comedy store years and mm -hmm. how I almost wrestled Andy Kaufman and how I dated a Playgirl centerfold. Just great stuff. Close encounters. <laughs> it's Red about Kirk. so much more than just Captain Kirk. 
Close Encounters of Larvin. Yes, no, Close Encounters. Close Encounters. Oh, well, there, there it is. Look at that. Look at look 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 on the cover. It looks like a Harlequin romance novel. And you even That's used what the, it was, baby. The Trek font. The Trek font. Listen. Isn't that Darren? Am I am I not mistaken? Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope so. <clears throat> anyway. Uh the book actually won't be out for like another month, so they can't really get it, unfortunately. They can pre order uh, it, right? Pre order. I hope so. I'll figure it out. Uh anyway, so uh I'm moving around and I even between apartments and I go and I stay in a Famous hotel, the Tropicana, because I have to stay there one night. That's near the Barney's Beanery. It's where all the, the doors stay. That's where all the rock stars stayed. And I always wanted to be a rock star. So I thought, well, I'll do one night of the by myself. I got, I don't even have luggage. I have all my stuff in bags and I'm just moving around. And I go, I'm going to call Jack Nicholson. So I called Jack Nicholson. I had phone sex with Jack Nicholson at the Tropicana. <laughs> and out my window was, this is a movie, Mark, please. I tell you, and out my window is the neon sign flashing. And, and I'm like literally, not faking it. I don't believe in faking orgasm. And so <laughs> a lot of women are. I'm just telling everybody. Anyway, so uh <laughs> that's more than you expected to hear on this podcast, isn't it, Darren? I want to edit that out. Appa anyway, so apparently uh, he's into phoning too. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. And so his voice is Jack. I mean, Warren, I mean, William Shatner and Jack Nicholson are probably two of the greatest, you know, the voices. most distinctive Absolutely. voices. Yes. Along <laughs> yeah, with Orson Wells. Orson Wells. Yeah. So, um, my hair like that. Anyway. So, um, yeah. So I had an, I, I actually managed to reach that climatic moment. And, um, before he could have hung up, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't understand. I don't know my. I, don't I think know. there's a word for that. I think it's an AT and T's. That's bad. That's bad. AT and T's. Did I want to be memorable? Was it just a? Did I want to be the one that got away? And he did call a while later, and I was already in a relationship, and the phone rang, and it was the middle of the night. And uh, I said, it's Jack. And I go, you can't call me anyway. And I went back to bed with the man I was then with for a long time. And yeah. he goes, who was that? I go, oh, it's Jack Nicholson. Go back to sleep. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. But, you know, you, you know, then I, I made Demon of Paradise. And Catherine Witt, who I started with in, in Demon of Paradise, uh, did go out with Jack. And he gifted her with a tarantula under glass. And she told me that he was absolutely uh, pleasurable uh, behind closed doors. Well, good for him. Yeah, good for him. I mean, this is a <laughs> book's about so much more than that, really. Exactly. I mean, you know, let's talk about uh, Carl Sagan. So, uh, well, I interviewed him. How was he behind closed doors? No. <laughs> no, no. You interviewed him for the. You interviewed him, and and uh, obviously such a significant figure in in in. Um, and you did you interviewed him for Sci-Fi Channel, didn't you? I did. I interviewed him on Sci-Fi, as it's known now. Back then, it was the Sci-Fi Channel. They've had, what, 5, 10, 20 logos by now? So, I don't know. Like anyway, yeah, yeah, exactly. Every logo we were on at the time. But no Sci-Fi, but plenty of Sci-Fi logos. But I was always aggravated by my good friend, Carl, because Carl doesn't believe in astrology. And part of who I am, StargaleNetwork.com, LaraBanks.com, is that I'm an astrologer. And I wholeheartedly believe that we are drawn and driven by the planets. That's interesting that I was in Star Trek because I'm Star Gal on the internet and I do do chart analysis. And it's, it is extraordinary planetarily. I could tell you in the year 2030 where Jupiter is going to be to the millisecond of a latitude longitude in my ephemeris. And we're supposed to be not fated. We as people aren't on a course that's predestined. We are. 
because you can't tell me just Jupiter is set in a course that's prefixed and we're random or that the courses of the moon that create the cycles and the water that create the lunacy in the you know ER rooms and in more 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 murders and everything that goes on with the moon cycles alone to assume Mars doesn't have an effect on us to assume Jupiter doesn't have an effect on us and so and 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 when Bill and I did talk about that like wow if you can see the future and what's coming that means it's already happened and I thought well that's interesting as well but that is not a conversation I could have with Carl because Carl was a scientist and I was given very specific questions to ask him. And my voice was closing down because they had me shooting episode after episode because yeah, yeah. their oh. budget was about a nickel. <laughs> and the makeup artist gave me a piece of ginger to suck on so that my voice would stay open. To this day, if you start to lose your voice, go to the store, cut off a root and suck on that. Good to know. <laughs> they, yeah. Fun fact. Interesting yes. tip. Now, now but we, we have not covered the comedy stores, and I do want to share that the comedy please. stores are an amazing part of my book, and 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 to have been a part of the whole scene with Robin Williams and all of that was just amazing. And my dating the Playgirl centerfold. Well, these are all uh, things that uh, people are going to really enjoy delving into uh, when they buy your book. Close and Encounters with I talk a lot about Star Captain Trek Kirk. too, the movie, and making of the movie, too. Sorry, I talk about the making of the film and what happened on set and more about Nick Meyer and more about Ricardo and more about uh, um, all the amazing things that happened while making Star Trek too. Yeah, it's worth saying, you know, so many uh, people have told different stories over the you know last four decades about Star Trek II, but Laura has a very unique perspective with some great stories. So if you're interested in what really was going on on the set of uh, The Wrath of Khan, you want to check out her book, plus so many other great stories so you know, so, so it's such an interesting perspective and and uh you know and 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 laura so imparts the the words and wisdom that she's learned over these many years working in the business and uh you know sharing that and it's really a delightful read and you should check it out it's close encounters with captain kirk the making of the wrath of khan but so much more so much more as you might have tell, to, been able to tell from our conversation with miss banks here yes khan's pet and, and- <clears throat> Con's <laughs> really you know it's a, it's a laugh out loud it really is a funny book so I, as a comedy writer i really went out of my way to make the thing funny because i think it's cruel to make anyone read a memoir that that isn't funny um and and it's an inspirational diatribe really please if you have a dream then you're putting it in a box somewhere you know my mother was an amazing artist and she put her art in a box you know yeah. she no she didn't show the world Go live that dream. I mean, you're going to succeed as a VP of sales at HelloFresh as much as you may succeed as a, a writer or an actor or what is your dream? You know, I want to be a pilot, but just you've got to go for it and it'll be messy and you'll screw up and you won't get it right. And I was an extra and I went on to do these silly B films. I never made it. You know, I'm not Julia Roberts. I don't have her teeth, but I did have the fact that I went for my dreams and I have my life and this book to show for it. I didn't know I like all along I'd be writing this book, but what I knew was every step of the way I made a movie, uh, Manhattan dating project, which actually was the premise for what is now the bachelor. Mm. They came to my screening in Soho and ABC and, and I don't have a dime coming in from that. And every time I was exploited, every time I missed out, it was a lesson to keep going, yeah. right? Things hit you. Life hits you. You can choose to say I'm a victim. This is wrong. As opposed to that made me stronger that's funny. Um, how can I turn this into a good thing? And, 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 and that's what this book is about. It's about going for your dreams. And when you read this, you're going to see, oh, my God, look at all these things that Laura went through. And now I'm down here in Florida 
And I've been exploring a little bit of, you know, me, I'm still living on the edge, a little bit of nudism, and I find it interesting. Well, there you go. So I'm, I'm a nudist, but I'll say I've explored. <laughs> you know, and, and I even go into how I posed in for a magazine in my book and and being honest about that and having mixed emotions about that. And that's something that happened to me in Hollywood. And you know, the time we're living now in with women stepping up and owning this is my life, this is who I am. And and, and but I'm not blowing a whistle. I'm I chose. To just some upper nudity. I feel it was very tasteful. And nobody twisted uh, your arm. Nobody forced you. It was something you wanted to do. It was empowering. J-Lo just came out naked with her skincare line. You know, I mean, uh, you know, women and, and their bodies, you know. Uh, so a lot of the book is about embracing, a, a, from a woman's perspective, embracing her sensuality, embracing her sexuality, embracing her body. And CNN Brazil recently did an interview with me because I'm on a show called excuse me what with uh offbeat media which is a company out of georgia that's backed by mark cuban mm -hmm. and uh i have about four hundred and twenty-two thousand hits now of me and they're calling me a cougar uh but then cnn brazil saw that and i was interviewed by them and we started talking about a mature woman still loving herself you know sensually and being in touch with her body suzanne summers is a big activist is activist of that as well and but i have a new show uh on snapchat and uh, TikTok coming out called This or That. And that's going to be with the uh, offbeat media folks. So I have a show. So that's fun. You're giving Bill a run for his money with the plugs. Come on. I mean, this is like, <laughs> this is worthy of Shatner. So, so I got to ask you because the weekend that this uh, it drops will be at the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. So tell us, what's your craziest Star Trek convention story? As you mentioned, you were going to a lot of Star Trek conventions after that ultimate fantasy, which turned out to be your ultimate fantasy. But what happened? Pills, let's put it that way. So <laughs> what happened? What, what were some other crazy convention stories? Or, or was it just like, oh, it was really great to be recognized for this work that you did and you got to be the fans but any any anything interesting in those years after star trek 2 and, and dealing with sort of this you know um i would say you know the fact that all you know people knew you from this movie and it continues to be so enduring well uh mark and darren i want to both thank you for having me on your show first of all and uh i will i will uh share an exclusive story with you that is not in the book awesome. because i had a friend say you can't put this in the book and i just thought it was Interesting. Maybe uh, I, I'm uh, about to push the button to the publishers right now. Maybe I'll get your feedback on it. But the interesting story was I was on a Sea uh, Trek cruise. Mm -hmm. Joe Vitale, Joe, anyway, there was a producer who did a lot of Sea Trek. And I was, I did a lot of MC work. So I introduced Nichelle, rest in peace. She was yep. a sweetie pie. And, uh, you know, everybody from Michael Dorn to Nichelle to, to Scott, everybody. I would, And uh, I was hosting. And we were in the basement of the ship and, you know, and, uh, and going back and forth. And Gene Roddenberry was in, in the audience. And, and I went, ladies and gentlemen, creator, the man that's made all this possible, Gene, stand up and take a bow. Gene was in a wheelchair. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, no. Oh. So this is Gene, you know, and he's going to and he get and he and he gets up. And he gets up and, and the place goes wild. It's, sure. just, it's, it's like I've done some sort of spontaneous healing or mm -hmm. something. And then, of course, I'm in the elevator with him leaving. And I, we're not, I'm not looking at him. You know, I'm like, oh, gosh, this guy's not going to be my friend, you know, here going forward. But that is probably my most outrageous story was making Gene Roddenberry stand up out of oh, a wheelchair. Goodness. 
Well, you know what, with with your statements before about, you know, sort of embracing your sensuality and and, uh, supporting your own uh, femaleness, uh, Gene Roddenberry was one of the first uh, uh, supporters of that. He was all into, you know, men and women being men and women and not being afraid of doing that. And uh, absolutely weekly nude uh, swimming parties at his house as well. You know what? For for all the, you know, the sort of uh, lascivious stories that uh, have been told about Gene, he was absolutely a very positive humanist. And he absolutely he always embraced our differences and to celebrate that. And uh, that's what made me uh, think when you were telling your story about that. And, and, you know, oh. for him to see that kind of love and adulation, you know, even towards the end of his life, it meant us a great deal to him. So at the end of the day, I think, you know, you telling him to stand up and get this rapturous applause and him being able to do that, I think he probably it wasn't as bad as you, you made it sound. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate all of that. And I'll tell you something. Another quick story. Uh, George uh, Takei. 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 Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, uh, the... Uh, uh, cast was brought through the kitchen of some hotel. I don't know where we were. And somehow I was there again in my pink jumpsuit. I don't know how I got there. I think there's some photos out there of me in this. I have a picture of me with Bill too. That You know what? I should put that in the book. You should. Anyway, I just realized I got a picture of me with Bill that Alan Spencer sent me. Uh, um, leave it to so, Alan. Yeah, right. So uh, uh, what was I talking about? Your, oh, 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 so, George so we're Takei. going to you know, like that classic uh, Notting Hill, like we're all famous and we have to go through the kitchen and then we come out the other side. And so we are all Star Trek two and it's the big press conference and, and, and we come in and we take over this table and it is us. It is, I don't know, a couple hundred photographers and all the bulbs are going off and it's me and it's Harv and it's Shatner. And it's actually, I guess Bill was there, but I didn't need him at that point. And, and, and we're all there and, and George is right next to me and I'm freaking out because that there's list literally a visceral physical response to that many light bulbs going off in your face sure. in one moment. And I'm just breathing and I lean over and I go, Oh my God, you know, George, what is happening here? And I'm laughing and I'm scared. And, and, he, and he just leans into me and he goes, masses of humanity oh Oh, Oh, my god well this was absolutely delightful and we hope that uh people will check out your book close encounters with captain kirk the making of the rathicon and visit laurabanks.com for more information on your new book and uh just delightful having you on the show we appreciate you you joining us this was really a lot of fun and a a very different perspective on that rathicon than you'll get from other people we've talked to a lot of people about that movie but never with your um interesting perspective good well i appreciate you having me so very much and thanks for everybody being there out there for me and I hope to come out again and tour and meet some of you again. That'd be great. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Laura. Great having you. Bye. Bye. Well, I'm glad those stories didn't stay buried alive in the center of a dead planet. Isn't she a hoot? She's, she's a lot of fun. And uh, I, I I can only imagine how it would have been, uh, you know, uh, with uh, her encountering so many uh, uh, luminaries, shall we say, um, and I think she uh, she held her own pretty well. I agree. I have a lot of respect for her. And um, uh, I have to say, you know, um, we'd interviewed her for our 1982 documentary. But um, the way that she came to the show was so interesting that I guess it was one of our listeners uh, who told her, oh, you got to be on this podcast. You, you know, they would love your, your story. And... I like that. I support that. Let's yeah, no, I do, too. That. And she reached out to us and, 
you know, uh, told us she had this book coming out. And, you know, we, we, you know, I read, I read the book to make sure that, you know, there was enough stories in there that would be worth yeah, as, of an episode. As did I. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I, was, I wasn't sure. So I just want to make sure. So we both read the book to make yeah. sure that it was, you know, and then it was clearly that, oh yeah, she had a great sense of humor about this, had great stories because obviously if she'd just been, you know, the navigator, you know, as an extra for two days on con and didn't have any stories. Yeah. That's it's not hard especially to, interesting. Yeah. Just to find out, but she has great, you know, great stories. And, um, and it was and really fun and a lot of Star Trek adjacent stories as well. I mean, the Jack Nicholson stuff is, it's, uh, it's, is uh, it is Hollywood. It's, uh, it's the core of Hollywood, Hollywood in the eighties and Hollywood yeah. has changed a lot in the last 40 years. Um, so it's a great look back at, that era of uh, this business that we all sort of grew up on, if not in this business um, of show. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. Um, you know, but Al Ruddy could tell us more. <laughs> I'm sure he could. Yeah. So, uh, so this, this, this was a ton of, a ton of fun. I'll, I'll, and to all you new listeners who may have joined us as a result of listening to the show at the uh, Star Trek Las Vegas convention. Uh, welcome aboard. We're happy to have you. Um, I, uh, I gotta say, uh, you know, I know some, some people last week's episode, hey, uh, well, actually it would have been two weeks ago, I uh, may have, um, uh, been uh, somewhat put off by the fact that we seem to have no interest in their desert island discs. I want to make it very clear. We do care. We, we, we're, we're interested. I, I personally can't stand how every article on the internet starts with, what do you think? Because yeah. I think it's nonsense, you know, but the listener of Inglorious Trexperts um, is is at a much higher la- level, much higher plateau than the ordinary person. So I I, I am interested. I, I actually thought there were some interesting comments from our listeners about of what course. they would bring to their desert. I'm a little up in case, actually. No, I'm kidding. Now, now. I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. Goodness. I joke. I'm joking. How dare you? No, no. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. There was some that was some great, great, and it was actually really nice. I'm, I'm so glad. Um everybody said how how great Kay was as a guest because we definitely want to have her back she was of terrific course. and um she was re- really um god i, I really you know i'd like she that was luminous her, i'd like to give her a spinoff but she just doesn't have the time no we had the time but uh so yeah we're, we're interested in what you have to say i just think um i just it makes me nuts all everything's about what do you think what's your opinion and and then and then people you know talk as a, like they're experts on every subject and half the time they're full they're they're, they're wrong like if you if you ever try and read some of these Star Trek, you know threads or or, or comments or things, and it's like, you, you know, I I do I feel like it's Marshall McLuhan lecturing uh, the guy in line who's you know about uh, you know in Annie Hall. I just I just I, I find it very off putting. But uh, anyway, look, that's just uh, me. The 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 one thing that we offer here on the Inglorious Trexperts is. The feeling of hanging out at us at with us at dinner. Yes, because this is exactly what we do, um, and we talk about stuff as goofy as this all the time. Um, and you know, you're lucky to get a word in edgewise when we're talking. So uh, think of it as uh, the ability to uh, be a fly on the wall as we talk about this goofy stuff. And you have the bonus uh, uh, benefit of being able to uh, uh, send us messages afterwards. Which or appetizers. Is, uh, you know, it's all it's all good. So, yeah. In fact, I want to say, you know, um, Ken Milne, you know, from the, who you met in Ticonderoga, sure. uh, Doc, Dr. Ken reached out to me and he, he wanted to have me sign a copy of my book because he's going to be in um, 
uh, Vegas for actually a, a different convention, medical convention at the same time. And he asked if I would be kind enough to, and you know, honestly, not only is he a super fan of the show, but he's a doctor. So I feel it incumbent upon me to make the time. Well, to especially, do that. especially because if I, you, you may get hit by a scooter at any time said, and, and need said, a doctor. He said, you might need a doctor on call in case you get hit by a scooter. I'm there for you, which, 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 yes, that entered into my thinking, but I have to say, you know, look, anyone in the medical profession, I cannot imagine what they've been through the last couple of years. So, yeah. you know, I'm happy to go through hell and high water and I'm certainly willing to get up early to sign a book for you. So I'm, I'm I, you know, I'm very happy that uh, Ken's going to well, be there. And when this is airing, hopefully this has already happened. Oh, yeah, that's true, because we're, we're, we're actually in the future. We're speaking to you from the future. That's right. That's <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, so I committed us to, uh, to to see Ken. And then you'll have honorary Trexpert certificates on hand. I will. I will. I have them ready. And uh, I'm glad we me. don't have a booth this year. That was too much work. I, you know, I'm kind of sad that we don't have a booth this year because we don't have a central location for people to come and get an honorary Trexpert. Well, they uh, should come to the panels. Yeah, yeah. But you you know how those go. They they're, uh, they uh, shuffle us out well, uh, quickly, and it, it'll be fine. It'll let me be... find somebody who has a booth, and maybe we can... Maybe uh... we can just hijack it for a couple hours. One yeah, day. I don't know who's going to be there, but I'm sure someone we know has a booth. Well, maybe Eagle Moss has some space. Yeah, yeah, that they, had, that, they had a, <laughs> that they gave them. It's a big, empty... It looks like that planet at the beginning of Best of Both Worlds oh where they beam down, and it, we're right at the center of town, and it's been, like, <laughs> scooped off the planet. It's a giant crater. This oh. is the Eagle Moss booth. Oh, yeah, for those of goodness. you who don't Too know soon. what we're talking about, um, you know, uh, our good friend, unfortunately, uh, Ben Robinson, uh, like many uh, at uh, uh, Eagle Moss, is now out of a job because... They de they declared the uh, British equivalent of Chapter Eleven, so yeah. um, they are unfortunately uh, no more, and that's really sad because they were doing some doing the Lord's work, doing the Lord's yeah. work. Those people at Eagle Moss, so we're we're really sad to to see them go. Um, but I got I got most of the ships I wanted, so well, it's good not for the you. end of the world. Good, for I had you. to buy them. I, I I've been not. all buying them like crazy. Yeah, the last so did I. Weeks. But uh, I. I, I just got to say, I never got any of the ones that I actually built for oh. them. So. Oh, and I never got any of the ones I asked for from them, but yeah. I didn't work for them. But I yeah. did buy this little baby. Oh, there you, you go. This is the, the Land Ram, Ram from Battlestar Galactica 78. I oh, love this goodness. thing. It's, I also bought at, a, at an incredibly uh, overinflated prices the um, the shuttle. Oh, yeah. The shuttle That's isn't nice nearly one. as cool as the land ramp see i think you're wrong i think really? it's way cooler well you're the you know you're the art director concept designer <laughs> guy so you know what you know i'm only giving an opinion but you're just the expert. given i'm just giving my opinion that uh, you don't have to agree with me no no, but, no. Uh, what we can agree with is we had a nice uh, episode this week and uh, we're glad that you could join us and before we go i just got to ask you one more thing what do you think of that better call Saul finale i was really worried i was really worried that i was going to hate it and i was going to be upset but it ended perfectly. It ended perfectly, didn't it? It really yeah. did. And uh, and I had to really think about it. When it was over, I wasn't sure I loved it. And and the more I thought about it, the more I it stuck with me, and the more I realized how perfect it was. I mean, uh, if if you if you don't want spoilers, tune out now. But that scene with them sharing a cigarette yeah. was so beautiful. Book ending the series. It was phenomenal. Amazing. And Amazing. I'll tell you what else was phenomenal. Did you watch the... Oh, you don't watch For All Mankind. The For All Mankind series I, I haven't. I haven't gotten to that was yet. was remarkable. Really yeah. great. Really great. So um, all that was uh, all that was terrific. And, and for those of you... And last but not least, you might have seen the survey we're running right now on social. Um, we are exploring 
on the possibilities of monetizing the show, not so much for us, but for uh, our staff who is, you know, doesn't get paid. Um, Well, we don't either. So that's, yeah, I know, but I'm just (laughs) saying it's not, it's not for us for feature. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it was great to see a lot of the feedback because, you know, one of the directions we were kind of leaning in, it seems to not be the right way to, uh, to go. It seems like everyone's pushing us towards a Patreon model. Um, but we're going to have some announcements about this soon. Next week, we'll have our season premiere. Uh, Labor Day weekend will be our, I mean, our season finale, rather, our season finale. Right. Um, it was supersized. It's a, it's a Starship Smackdown finale. Yeah. And uh, then we're going to take a few weeks off while we set up this new, um, this new system. What's all whatever this about it's a new be. way? A new, yeah, and well, we figure some things out and record some new episodes, and 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 uh, and then we'll be back. We're not going yeah. anywhere. There's still a fifth season to do. It's still a fifth season. Remember, Mark, it's a five Mark year promised. mission. Mark promised it, and, yeah, it, I, I, and it I'll, shall I'll be. complete the five year mission. Complete the five year mission. But if if there's anything beyond that, that's a whole new thing. That's a whole that's new right. mission. That's a whole entirely new ship. <laughs> it's uh, you don't know our tenth as well as so uh and that'll reduce be, the whole podcast yeah so we'll see so I'm, I'm i'm committed to doing one more year of the show yeah however we however we do it i'm committed to do this through the end of season five and uh at that point you know maybe i'll just make guest appearances a lot you of know, like uh, like leonard was going to do on uh, phase two where he'd occasionally come back and say hi right, hi sure. zon you're doing great zon how's so, everybody doing here okay i gotta go but uh but definitely commit so but we are trying to figure out how you know how this is going to work and we appreciate your input if you want to share or if you don't want to put it on social because it's you know you 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 want to offer your services as science officer you can email me directly at uh, 50 year mission book at gmail.com 50 year mission book at gmail.com if you want to have something you say that you don't want to put publicly on social so um we'd love to hear uh your input on um how we should proceed um exterminate the hawkins that's how we should produce um okay so anyway Diane, this, this was a fun one Indeed. great having laura banks on the show uh looking forward to our uh our vegas trek and um i'm looking forward to our dinner tonight whatever it may yes, be i'm looking forward to our <laughs> dinner tonight um okay and uh until uh next week a very 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 special thanks to bill ritter who has gone above and beyond for us um here at the track sports and we're deeply indebted to him um and of course peter holmstrom uh and uh, everyone at electric and uh until next week on behalf of uh, darren and myself keep on trekking and gloriously of course This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.